You are now rocking with The Bunt, the number one podcast in skateboarding, brought to you by the number one shoe in skateboarding. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dude. Vans. Like you didn't already know. Off the wall since 1960, motherfucking six. Drop that bitch. Damn thing changed around here in Studio E. I'm D Jones. I got the ghost with me. We got the mad scientist ants one behind the scenes on the ones and twos. It's a cool thing. Ghost, it's an action-packed episode up here in Studio E this week. What are we working with? Oh well, first and foremost, Canadian legend Ryan Smith. Been trying to track him down for a few years now. Was hyped to finally get him in the building. Big time legend. Then we take in y'all straight to the post office, shouts for all the emails, and then, you know what I'm saying, a little rundown. Let's talk sports, eh? Man, you sound like you got a little pep in your voice this week. If anybody knows anything about Seifa, nothing makes them happier than fantasy success, so you must have caught a couple W's this week, eh? Hey, bro. Let me just, I got two words for you. <laughs> James Robinson. <laughs> when all three matchups... We're fucking looking like a coin flip. My guy rushed for a TD and caught one within like five minutes and locked away some much needed W's. As I said last week, I'd been one in eight in the last three weeks. My worst fantasy stretch since since of all time. I've never, <laughs> dude, I've never had an extended dry spell like that. It was absolutely brutal. So it's good to be back. But let's not bore the skaters when run down peeps. You know what I'm saying? What's good, D. Jones? Hey. It's good to hear that Bruce's fantasy sleepers still pay oh, off for you. My. So make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Bunt Live. Subscribe on YouTube at The Bunt Live. And then head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash The Bunt. Holla at your boys, man. We out here doing it for the people. And last but not least, thebuntlive.com. You talking about dry spells other than the episodes. Our website's been dry for a while, but dog. Oh, we about to replenish that site. You feel me? Like an oasis in the desert. Go get your fucking water on. <laughs> replenish your vitamins or whatever. Yeah. We about to load up the shop. Yo, little hoodie action, couple tees, toque. You know, it's cold up here in Canada these days. A little hot ting. And yo, the most exciting thing about it is we nationwide these days hitting a few select shops, working with great homies across the country. Shout out to Working Class in New Brunswick. Shout out to the Dime Store in Montreal. Shout out to Nine Times in Calgary and Saskatoon. And shout out to Menu Skate Shop in Vancouver. What we're gonna do is drop the clothes next Monday in the shops where you can get them exclusively for the first two days and then Wednesday 7 p.m. EST they're going live on the website so go support your local skate shop and grab yourself some bunk gear couldn't have said it better myself man that was a mouthful and you absolutely <laughs> killed it dog yeah yeah no bloopers in that one shit 
Keep it rolling, dog. It's go shout out of the week. What you got for me? Oh, shout out of the week? Well, of course we're keeping it local with this Canadian themed uh, episode so far. Shout out to our boy T Dot Streets Killer Ben Patterson. Just absolutely snapped Thrasher.com. You know what I'm saying? Doing it for uh, Vans, matter of fact. And think Empire out of MTL. So shout out to Ben. We're proud of you. You're killing it. Keep doing your thing. And shout out to our boy, Mason Silva. Dropped another two minutes, you know. Just when someone else tries to throw their hat in there for Sodi, Mason just shuts them right back down. So <laughs> shouts to Mason, dog. I see what yo, you're up to. Big shout outs. But yo, isn't it fucking, I don't want to say sad, but it's just times have definitely changed when an IGTV part is like a, a real thing these days. Absolutely. Like that was a straight to IGTV. Luckily, I mean, Thrasher posted on the site too, but regardless, we're we're two feet down. Is that even a saying? For Mason, to, no, 10 toes down. Is that the saying? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. There's we rock the blooper. with you, Mason. We want you to win Sodi so bad. So uh, let's keep it going, man. Drop one more heavy part on us at the end of the year and it's in the bag. You know it's coming. Like I told you, he was on that East Coast road trip, so we getting something cutty coming up real soon. Yeah. And if he doesn't win it, like I think you mentioned in a previous episode, we'll come up with our own fucking Sodi type thing, and Mason's our guy this year. 100%. We could be like the MVP of skating or something like that, but we're going to get some sort of award going. Yeah, up. but he's going to win the, the, wheel, the real deal, so let, let's go. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to get the Thrasher Award. Yo, I feel like giving another random shout-out this week. Shout out from the bunt to our good homies at Place Magazine, keeping the pulse of all things skateboarding with a particular focus on Europe. You know what I'm saying? Shouts to the boys. They just dropped a new website too, place.tv. Head over there and feast your eyes on some of the best skate content in the game. You dig? So like we said, we've got Ryan Smith in the building. We're talking about some monumental skate parts back in the day. RDS FSU 2000, Dying to Live, the DC video. Nothing hits harder than when someone fucks up spots in your own damn city. <laughs> nose blunt hydro, frontside flip, nose grind down hydro. His shit on Brown School Hubba. Man, Ryan Smith, been a long time coming. We say that all the time, but we love this man growing up. Yeah, man, real shit. His trick tips in the DC warehouse park, epic. Kick nose. Hydro, don't forget that one. No slide around the corner on college. Neck high hubba. Uh, a true legend. And uh, the best part is he's shredding again. He's refound his love for skating. So, yeah, let's get into the interview, man. Only one thing left to do. I'm fucking starving as per usual. I know you working with an empty belly. Place the order, man. <sighs> I'm a man of simple taste. You already know my order. Dr. Pepperoni. Wings. Two ginger ales and two cookies and we out maker pizza the only slice that's our order place your order on the maker app for ios or head into the store downtown at queen of spadina uptown avenue in lawrence maddie tell them why we doing this shit man this is literally the best pizza in the world let's get into the interview We have the legend, Ryan Smith, in the building right now. What's going on, man? 
Good. This is a nice building. I'm feeling it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is the cloud that you were talking about. We're all... I should start saying that. We are in the cloud right now. Yeah. Welcome to the cloud flare. In the dopest living room in Toronto. <laughs> Studio E, man. Just chilling, yeah. You like the looks of it? I like all the panties and everything everywhere. It's dope. It's just like a rap video. There's like panties, bras, like bottles everywhere. Cork, yeah. sham- I mean, I'm a, Don't tell our ladies I that, twisted yeah. my ankle on a champagne cork. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God damn, this is crazy. Long time coming, <laughs> certified legend. We looked up to you as kids, man. How old are you guys? I'm, am I that old? I am old. I am old as hell. We're 32. You're 32 right now, right? Yeah. Oh, we're the same age for like uh, You guys are 32? Yeah. A couple hours. Shit, I look Damn. young as hell. You guys are 30. You guys look old as hell. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> what? Oh, hell no. <laughs> you got it twisted, man. <laughs> so I know you don't listen to the show, so you don't know what's coming, but we start them all off the same. Hit us with your favorite skate moment. And your favorite sports moment? Skate moment was when I started skateboarding again, and it was fun. And sports moment, I don't know anything about sports at all. You play sports as a kid? No, I could that. Well, I couldn't play sports as a kid because I broke my collarbone a lot. So it was like I kept breaking it. So the doctors are like, "You can't, you can't play sports." So that's why I never. Uh, I always hung out. I always liked skateboarding and BMX bikes and shit like that because they weren't mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, you know. It was like at school, I couldn't play any of the sports at school or any of the stuff because it was like the doctor's like, you can't play sports, he breaks his collarbone every time. So, Damn. Yeah. And I broke my collarbone 12 times before I was uh, like thir- before I was 13. So it was just like snap, snap, snap. Yeah. Well, you ca- that kind of answers part of the next question, but where did you grow up and how did you get into skating? Uh, Vernon, British Columbia. And then uh, I don't even know, man. Like skateboarding was something I always thought was rad. And I just like... For as long as I can remember, I always wanted to have a good skateboard. And I remember getting, like, the ones from Kmart or the Bay and being like, these aren't the right ones. And then at the back of it, the, at my elementary school, they had the Rad mag- BMX magazine. In the back, they had the CCS ads with, like, the skateboards and all the graphics. And I remember going, like, those are the real boards. <laughs> like, that's the real shit right there. And then, like, which is ironic because years later, I started actually, I skated for CCS. And I was like, dude, I remember looking at your catalogs when I was, like, eight years old. That's so sick. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So what was your first big break in the skate industry? I mean, I don't know. I never really thought of it as, like, a break. Like, it was like I had... I like skated with like the gnarly people like Paul Mackinac and like and then like I like I learned at an early age it was like shoot photos with like one dude or the right person and work on a project or work towards something you know what I mean like don't just go try and shoot with everyone or whatever and that's how I came out to Toronto and she and like me and Scott Pommier like worked together and it was like he wanted to get to the American magazines as much as I did and then it was like yeah so we weren't like we got up every morning we went to like hydro hydro you know the hydro hub of there in toronto like at like five in the morning every morning we'd get up get off i'd get a couple tries and then the, the subway would get out again and then people would be going to work and then it would be like you know you'd get two tries and we went there every day for like a month at like five in the morning it was like such a mission but that's what it took you know we worked really hard so phone stuff started happening like for me but it was like i was working for it so it wasn't like it was like oh it was a big break it was like 
those the last every day of waking up at five in the morning and slamming into the cement was like that phone call felt like yeah i deserve this phone call (laughs) (laughs) you know because it's like why that's why i was doing it you know what i mean like it was like it was working the way i planned on it working so like when it started to like you know like if you have expectations the best they're gonna get is on par like you know if they get met it's like it's the shit you don't know about that makes you excited right Mm -hmm. so who was that first phone call from it was weird because like i moved to vancouver and i rode for powell because like whatever moses and paul got me on they paid me 400 bucks a month and the the exchange rate it was like 730 and i could pay my rent and just live off that and then somehow like genetic shoes which was airwalk started and i don't even really remember i don't even know how but somehow they wanted me and the guy sent me a check for like a thousand bucks but it said airwalk on it after he said for so long that it wouldn't be airwalk and then i was like fuck this man and so i didn't cash the check <laughs> i didn't cash the check and then uh no but colin was talking to me and he's like talked to the dc team manager who just got his job navi just got his job as the team manager and jamie saw my nose blunt down hydro and was like yo fucking uh who called dc was like yo who's this guy right when colin was in his ear too going like yo the airwalk's making a run at him so his first decision was like fuck it let's put this guy this canadian kid on because that was a cool thing like blah 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 and then they're like you got to get off pow and i was like yeah i am and i was getting boards from a bunch of other dudes and then yeah i don't know whatever but yeah it just it was like the stars of the moon aligned because a bunch of people were talking and stuff but i don't know yeah i was just i all i did was skate that's all I did was like skate and work with people on, on like on skateboard stuff. Like there was no, yeah, there was no, yeah, there wasn't really partying at that time. Cause I stayed with Scott. That's how it kind of started, you know, mm-hmm. just getting buck and T dot. Eh? Yeah. Well, dude, it was so sick. I mean, we skated with Andrew Gordon, like a lot, you know, like he came out every day and he'd stay at Scott's house and it was like, dude, there was a sick crew. And then like, I'd see Mark when he was up there and like, yeah, it was cool. Like the Toronto's fucking, uh, so sick. You put a hurting on downtown Toronto and like some of the outskirts, Mississauga and stuff. A lot of that footage came out in RDS FSU. Was that all one trip? No. Well, I mean, I stayed out in Toronto for two summers and uh, I do. You know, I don't really remember. I was out there a lot. Like it was like back then, like, dude, there's a lot of tickets and a lot of money flying around. So it was like I went everywhere I could go, like at all times. Like I didn't want to be in one place. So it was like I just, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I never wanted to be still. And so it's like I went everywhere. <laughs> I don't really remember. It was like, yeah, it was pretty much a blur. Because I didn't, like, yeah, I didn't stay in one place very long. Like, after Toronto, like, you know, like, I got to the States, and that's where I wanted to be. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm, most most Canadians, I noticed, like, they get homesick, and they want to go home and stuff. And it's like, I never wanted to leave. So, right. you know what I mean? Like, I hate I hate cold weather. You know that giant hubba you know slid on college street oh yeah 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 around the corner from hydro yeah to this day there's only been one other trick done 50 50 by uh this uh legend weapon but that's pretty crazy to think that you sparked it back in like whenever that was early 2000s 2000 that's funny i remember i'd noticed that i think i had to go back to get the footage damn because like we didn't we didn't have we didn't have a film or whatever it was it was a fucking i know i know slide is it's that's not that like yeah, that's I know, not but that, that thing's no, like that head height. Fucked, yeah. That thing's like head height when you bend down. It's fucking intense. And you probably had to wax it. You were like the only one uh, ever. Probably skated. not. I probably. Uh, I don't know. Back then, waxing was kind of frowned upon. 
Like it was like I don't know what it is. It was like so I don't you know. no slid it dry. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't remember. Like, I mean, dude, nowadays I'm definitely pretty. Li- if it's like, if I wax something, I put so much fucking wax on it that it's like, it's so slick or it doesn't have any fucking goddamn wax on it. And it's like, it's like one or the other. You know what I mean? It's like, if I, yeah. And so it's like, I've actually been trying this fucking trick at this spot here. And I feel like a dick if I wax it because I know it's like they'll bust their ass on it. So it's like, anyway. So I go there and I've been like, I'm skating and I'm trying to do this trick and I'm like, fuck, I want to wax this shit so bad. But it's literally got a sticker where it says, don't wax this shit. What? Yeah. <laughs> fuck that shit, <laughs> It man. does, dude. Yeah, wax that shit. No, but it's like, dude, it's, I get it because it's like a hazard when you put, like, I mean, I'm trying a trick, but if you go up and there's like a pound of wax on it and you bust your ass, you're going to be like, who the fuck waxed this thing? Because they're not, not everyone's trying to blunt slide kickflip, you know what I mean? Whatever the fuck, like, anyway. Yeah. So... Take us behind the scenes real quick on the front side flip nose grind down hydro. Oh, that never happened. It never happened. If you look at the fucking footy, my board lock falls out of the front side nose grind. And we used to put it into a digital video, I think. And like, I just, hey, fuck, dude, I went there. I went there so many times. So many fucking times to do that front side flip fakie nose grind. Every morning, I wake up front side and fakie nose grind first try. Damn. And then I'd get into the fucking fakie nose grinds. And it was like, I, so many times that I never actually did it, like, and locked in. It's like the one I actually rolled away. I think it's in a digital video. No, it's in the, RDS fit. But it falls out of grind and like and like it's funny because back then I was like, no, you can't use it. I didn't do a grind, but nowadays like I would be like, who the fuck cares? I would have like got way more play out of it. Like I just would have used it exactly the same. But back then I was like, oh, it fell out of grind or whatever. And for some reason, like it was like I just it was a throwaway. It was a waste. So that's why we're asking, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like it's funny because I think there was like sequence of it and everything, but we never used it. We could easily piece that sequence together. Easily. <laughs> and it's not even a big fucking deal because, I mean, it's it's film. And it's like, back then, film is like, the guy would shoot the photo and get out of the way for the filmer. And so, like, the photo you actually saw never was the fucking make. It never is. It doesn't matter. Like, who fucking cares, right? Like, I, that's why I always like photos better because they tell more of the story if you look at it than, like, the video's cool, but you want to see the ad in the magazine and then a couple months later see the video and then you're like, okay, and you see how they did it, but... To this day, that's one of the gnarliest tricks I think that's ever been done in Toronto. Hell yeah. And it was always a question mark for us because that goes by in the middle of the part so quick. And then your ender is nose blunt. So it was like always a little bit confusing. It's because in my head, I was like so disappointed that I didn't get that trick that I like, I told, and it was like, I only slid out like that. Like, you know, it was like off by like a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it did yeah, not clip, like- it looks lo- legit. It looks fine. That's what I mean. And that's what everybody kept saying. And I was just like, no, nah, fuck that. And I was like, so like, it's just so pig headed. And back then it was like RDS jock, you know, like fucking whatever. <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, <laughs> fuck that shit. Now looking back, like I could have, like I would milk the fucking shit out of that cow. Like I would be like, friends, I flip, you know, I piece like I wouldn't care because that's skateboarding that's professional skateboarding it's all smoke and mirrors it's never what anyone really expects you know like <laughs> if 100% it's like if people who work people who work for a job to pay for skateboarding are nothing like the actual skateboarders who get paid to ride them they're fucking pussies by comparison you know a dude will stop skating if he stops getting like a paycheck you know most people work the worst jobs just to go ride the worst skateboards at the shittiest park you know like so pros are fucking retards anyway. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa. It's true. Well, respect We're, on um, 
all, all your Toronto hammers, man. That was like yeah, you went. I off. feel like people aren't as gnarly as they as you guys used to be. Filmed a line at Brown School Hubba. Like, was yeah. it necessary to film a was line it to tailside to the hubba? A, a nollie backside flip and then frontside half cab heel to tailside that giant <laughs> hubba. That's but, oh yeah 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 yeah. Okay, that's but you know what? That's been a secret of mine for a long time that like. I'll do a flatland trick and it's like, I want, it'll be something that's like, okay, like I'll do a switch, a switch backside flip. And I was like, I need to land it perfect. So when I land that one perfect, then I, then it's like, it's on for whatever the hammer is after that. So it's like mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff that I ever skated, any of the big hammers you saw, like before that run up, like I did a, I did a couple tricks, like just to get my mind like, okay. Yeah. You know, cause yeah, you have to, you have to go, when you're doing a big trick, like you have to go slow and everything he says in your in, your instincts tell you to go fast, right? Like go really. But if you go fast, you'll be rolling the windows up. And it's like I never wanted to, I never wanted to jump down shit. And any of that big stuff was like a couple tries. It was like you you know you did it and then you rolled away. Like I never ate shit on that stuff. You know what I mean? Like I ripped my palms up and whatever trying flip tricks downstairs. But handrails and shit, hell no. Like and I watched dude slam on a rail, get back and keep skating it. And uh, I've, I never, I would never under, if I fell on a rail, fuck, I'd probably never skate him again. <laughs> yeah. I remember in the DC video, you do back heel and switch frontside flip and then five Oh, that big rail. That's how it was always like though. All my, like all the handrails I ever skated, there was always a flat, like, you know, there's always the flat land or like, you know, I skated flat bars forever before the handrails. Like it was always curb skating always, you know, all flat and curbs every, all day, every day. So, yo, let's go back in time a little bit. Can you tell us? why you got kicked off eternal skateboards back in the day uh i mean i i did i get kicked off? i thought i quit oh uh, well we don't know the story so what, what happened okay well there's i mean those guys were cool like whatever because i was always a shit disturber and <laughs> whatever i ended up they wanted to sponsor me after like years of like not being that cool because i wasn't christian or whatever and i just remember gary robinson was at the contest in Kelowna, and i was at splash's bar like you know i was 19 or no 18 yeah 18 and it was like 19 i was 19 because i could get into the bar and it was like a big contest in Kelowna. and right next to the bar was the hotel where they had like the pros of eternals room but i just remember uh, a hot boy song came on and i knew little wayne was like my age he was like young and i was like damn and then i looked up i saw in the mezzanine like gary robinson and a hot and the drop it like it's hot came on and he had a beer and I just thought he was on foundation. I was like, that dude's fucking cool. And he just, he just heard the music and he just took a sip of his beer, put his beer down and jumped off the top mezzanine like 10, 15 feet into the people to like douchebags of Kelowna, you know? And then he got kicked out of the bar and I was, and he was just dirty as fuck and just jumped into the people just like, yeah, I'm out of this place. And I was like, after that, I was like, it's fucking on and just got thrown out myself. Went, to the, went, went went across the street and just smashed the eternal hotel room that wasn't even my room like i wasn't even staying there i just went in there to break it like and then that's what then that was like how i like yeah that was the end of it and then like mike like mike pragnell and all this dude they were so pissed at me for smashing their room <laughs> fucking dickhead but i just remember yeah like gary like gary robinson little wayne and i was like fuck yeah i'm gonna be a rock star too and then just like <laughs> so you did get kicked off yeah or that's his way of quitting yeah well i mean i was like fuck eternal sucks gary robinson's on foundation are you kidding me i'm fucking out of here fuck this shit <laughs> <laughs> and this bar too because it was full of people at my high school that all hated me and I never was popular I was a skater so I was like already uncomfortable and I was like I gave them the reason they wanted me out of there like this guy's a dick and I was like fucking right 
fuck all this shit. <laughs> yeah, I got kicked, got kicked out of there. So, which was funny, which was funny too, because the little Wayne thing, when I had a shoe on DC, I guess he always used to wear DC shoes because his name's Dwayne Carter. So like in the source or whatever it was, like there was like all these spreads of him wearing my shoe the whole time, which I thought was cool. Yeah. And then when I got back into skateboarding, I wasn't really what trying to look at anything new, but I saw the Nine Club and their like Little Wayne interview, and I s- heard him talking about skating, and I was like, oh, he's a real skater. Like this is he's talking about how I found skating again. Like he had the same shit. Like I, I felt like, damn, he really is a skater. I was like, he gets it, and so that was cool. That like there's always been this Little Wayne parallel in my life. I don't know. It was weird. I mean, he was wearing my shoe, and then I got started skating again, and I was like, "Dude, he's talking exactly how I feel right now after six years of not touching my board." Damn. Wow. What was it like working on your first zero part and being a part of the gnarly dying to live era? It's like being in a cult. <laughs> you look back and you're like, "What the fuck?" But like when you're in it, you're drinking Kool Aid all day long. <laughs> You know, that's pretty much what I look at it like. It's cool, all the people and everything, but just that, like, that style of skateboarding where it's like, you basically literal. Dying to live, misled youth are very literal, I think, you know? And it's like, I just think that there's way too many people at our camp that had knee surgery and that are like, you know, ended up, they're fucked up right now from that type of skateboarding and that kind of marketing was like, you know, if you're dirty and reckless, like you can be a part of the Zero Army and get fucking knee surgery and blown out and, you know, become an alcoholic who can't even fucking work a job. <laughs> it's the way I look at it, but, you know, whatever. I might be a little bit bitter. Triggers. <laughs> Damn, so it wasn't not good memories thinking back? or No, it was awesome memories. It was great times and stuff. It's just, it seems a little bit like... I feel that we were exploited a little bit, like the kill yourself to go skateboarding, and that's what sponsorship skateboarding was. You couldn't get on zero if you didn't drink alcohol or smoke weed. Fucking the motherfucker that's like running that shit, he doesn't drink or smoke. That's no fucking like that's weird to me. Why was I always like being shown drinking and all that shit? It was like you know, it's just it just seems unhealthy and weird. I would never, I could never imagine doing that to a young man. Now it seems like a predator, like a psychopath. That's what a psychopath would do. You know, you don't have an identity. This is your identity. Dress you up, give you clothes, sell your shit. You're so fucked up. You don't know what's going on. You don't know who's, like, you know, like, who's paying for what, you know? Like, who's, you know, I don't know. It's it's weird. Like I said, it's just a weird... I skated for that company for, like, over 10 years, and then that dude just stopped talking to me, and that was it. And the last time I heard from him, fucking wanted to use my name and re-edit my DC part. And I'm like, I haven't heard from any of you guys. And I'm like, well, how about some new footage? He's like, no, we just want to re-edit your shit and sell your guest board. And I was like, fuck, dude, you just broke me off six ways from Sunday. Now you come back to pick the bones, and you don't even lie to me to do a goddamn video part or something? Like, I'm hurting here. I'm fucking, you know, and then so I was like, fuck you, man. Like, and then he started selling my boards, like, after I asked him not to. And I was like, dude, like, you're still selling my shit? Like, what the fuck? And I see there's tech decks and all this shit. And I was like, damn, man, like, Zero Army is right. That guy's weird. It's like, it's really weird. It's like, I don't see Rick Howard fucking selling Mike York boards or Jeremy Rogers boards, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's how I look mm-hmm. at it. Like, it's fucking weird. It's like, it's like I got tagged in a fucking Garage Days thing the other day. And I was like, dude, this guy's fucking tagging me to sell my old skateboards from years ago for hundreds of dollars. And then he sold the company and they're making boards again. Like, 
it's just like, fuck, dude, like, enough's enough. Like, when I was getting boards from fucking girl, he called Rick Howard, and Rick Howard called me and was like, dude, you're just on flow, this guy really wants you. Like, he called all these people, like, he's meddled in my life for so fucking long. And I just wish he'd leave me alone. It's, it's, it's like, it's hurtful. And I'm like, dude, leave me alone. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. It's just weird, dude. Just, it's a trigger though. That's what I go skateboarding now to forget all that stuff. Cause it is, if you do feel like you got thrown away by people that like, you know, and you, your feelings do get hurt, but it's still, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta think it's better than like, there's a guy right now who's fucking his wife cheated on him with the, his boss at McDonald's and he's got to pay child support still to this day and watch his boss who fucked his wife with another guy's kid. You know what I mean? So if he goes skateboarding, he doesn't need to hear about my problems, you know? So it's like, okay, what do you do to get over it? We go skateboarding, we go to the park. And it's like, that's what I focus on now is like doing tricks and like, you know, working with skateboarders and not thinking about that negative stuff is like using skateboarding as a tool to make my life a fucking like a lot better. And you know, like where it's like, I don't have to go kill myself or like put on some image or, or, you know, do anything like that. Like I can just go skateboarding and get longevity out of it. Like that's what it should be, you know, mm -hmm. like, like going and killing yourself for a hammer is like, I get it. But after a certain point, it's like, it's kind of stupid, you know, bombing hills through stop signs and shit like that. Like after a certain point, like it's fucking retarded. Like you're going to get killed. Like, do you really, I've been in a hospital with the tube up my dick. I've been fucked up a lot of times, man. And it's like, I hope I'm never like that again. Skateboarding is so rad just to go to a park and do a kickflip. And just like, you don't have to think about any of your problems or any of that shit. Like, that's a beautiful thing, you know? And you get good friends. If you don't pay attention to your problems and go skateboarding, pretty soon your problems won't be there anymore if you stop watering them, you know? <laughs> just don't, don't worry about it, right? Yeah, it's definitely a good escape for all of us. But I would say also shouldn't ignore your problems. I mean, it's nice to take a break from them sometimes but no i'm not saying ignore your problems but if you go and create drama at the park and bring your problems there they're not going to go away you know what i right. mean and then you then you're creating stuff it's just like i think of skateboarding like rap like hip-hop is like dudes battle on the mic instead of taking it out in real life in the streets or whatever but like there's some guys that don't want to even let the mic they'll unplug the mic they don't even want to let guys have it which is fucking pussy shit you know it's like, just go and sort it out on your board. If you have any beef, just go do tricks and see who comes out with the better stuff. And that's all it comes down to is like, shut your mouth, see what you produce and see who you do it with. And like, see what, you know, and that's all that really matters. Cause it's like, you can complain about anything and talk shit and say, this guy did this or they did that, or I'm like this and come up with excuses all day long. And then you have nothing. And then you're like everybody else who just sits there and does nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, get up and do it and focus on the things that you need to do to do that stuff the best to your ability, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like dwelling on like, oh, this person did this or this person did that. It's like, we all go through our life experiences to like, you know, grow and help other people, right? So it's like, maybe I went through all that stuff. So it's like, you know, we can help skateboarders like realize that they can grow as people too. Like as a culture, skateboarders like used to get picked on in school and now they are going to probably get the better jobs than the jocks and stuff, you know? So why not be better people? Why You can get the hot girlfriends. Like, don't fall victim to the party. Learn how to operate around it. You know what I mean? Just stuff like common sense, mm -hmm. you know? Because it's like we never had a chance. I, I College and all that shit never was an option for me. You know what I mean? I had, like, learning disabilities and shit. So it was like it wasn't even an option. And now it's like... 
the most anticipated Olympics in the in history is the fucking one with skateboarding in it. The whole all eyes are on skateboarding finally, you know. So mm-hmm. it's like you might as well like cash in on that. There's algorithms finding guys like skateboarding and all that stuff, and it's like, but the skateboarders producing it aren't making anything. Just the companies are, you know. A guy in Vancouver who should be the new Paul Mackinac or Ryan Smith is like getting free boards and a couple free pairs of shoes, you know. Like that's it. We used to have our sho- like our names on our shoes. Does that happen anymore? It's weird. It's like the industry's broken, you know? It's something's like, you know, like there's no more Canadian guys going to America. That's fucking, you know? But the the skaters on all the companies, like no one understands that the politics of it all because the whole world's falling to shit, you know? It sucks. So all we can do is go skating, post clips, and hype everybody else up. And that's like the, the positive side of uh, the fucking, the internet, right? Because you can skate with, skate with your homies, you know, even if you're not there. Well, we're happy to hear that you've... Uh reconnected with skateboarding and just do it in a more positive way no pressure just to have fun yesterday chpo released a watch together with ngo skate pal with 100 of the proceeds being donated to skate pal skate pal builds skate parks and promotes skateboarding in palestine you can win this watch by answering which skater released his last part filmed entirely in palestine send your answers into the bunt live at gmail.com CHPO brand, doing it for the people, y'all. So let's just go back to Dying to Live for a sec. Were you happy with the edit? I No, that whole, like, okay, that video, like, I was partying so hard, so, like, that was only, like, a couple months worth of filming because it was, like, yeah, man. Like, the partying was fucking out of hand. So I was hurt the whole time, and then, like, he wanted it, which, actually, he wanted to cherry-pick all the RDS footage, too, which I didn't let him. I wanted to put it all in the RDS video because he wanted to use that footage for zero, which, actually, that would have been way better because he's a genius when it comes to editing. Like, he knows how to do his stuff, you know? But I just think I don't really like that time because that time I was so impressionable, and it was, like, I just went so crazy into the party, and I was, like, an actual alcoholic, so it was, like, just so bad, you know what I mean? It just, like, I my whole, like everything about it sucks you know i look at all my skateboarding everything just had such an imprint of like such bad behavior like stamped all over it you know so it's like i look at that skating and all that stuff and i'm just like fuck you know i was like you know i just know that the night before i was a complete retard and then day after that i was an idiot and on the way to be an idiot you know Mm. yeah but we were talking a little bit more in terms of how it was edited like we always thought it would be nice to see a remix version where the clips weren't cut so fast we didn't really have much time to take in your style because it was due to the song being how fast it was the clips were so short I mean, and that's and that's like i mean but that's like exactly like a literal thing like this kid's gonna burn out like you know he's going fast and it's like i didn't burn out but it's pretty much what it was you know you look at my ads it says creeping death you know and that shit like he didn't expect that i would like stick around as long as i did i don't think you know because that's what happens at that camp you get cashed out you know like just you know but i don't know i think it was like i mean it is what it is it's hard for me to look at my skating like i i think i could to this day put a better a better video part together you know what i mean because now it's like i think about my tricks a lot more and i like you know what i mean i know i don't know i just think i have like i know like what looks good and what i'm capable of and i could put together something you know because when you're younger you don't really have any control over that and you fan out on whatever you're a part of so it's like okay sure here's all my stuff do whatever with it because i'm so stoked to be here 
and then now and then like as I got older and I was like okay I'm pro like I wanted to be more and more involved with doing stuff and it was like you got shut down every way which way because people are like that's my job you know I don't like you do the skateboarding I want you know so it's like I never had any control over anything like the best video part that's ever been edited I think was Lindsay Robertson's Dino Live part with the you know what I mean and, and that was uh, Lee, Lee, Dup- Lee DuPont edited it I think I don't think Jamie did that edit I think Lee did it yeah I mean that whole video is a classic and like we both really like your part but I just always wish that I could have seen like a re- remix version because you're your clips are cut so fucking fast if you rewatch it like you hardly oh, see I'm sure that Jamie will go and re-edit one now and then like sell my board no I hope the memory screen does edit of you it's just so I look it back at that time and it's so fucking frustrating for me because it's like if I was like fucking not encouraged like if I was so stupid like if I had just been like alcohol is not what you're supposed to be doing now you know what I mean like it would have been so much better you know like it would have been like my skateboarding and everything would have been so much better it was like i partied i put just as much into partying as i did my skateboarding like that's the honest truth and it's fucking sad it's amazing that i actually like fucking started like what what i started from was smashing a hotel room and being a dick like it's like a lot of people don't like me man i left canada and i never came back and it wasn't like i was like canadian pride like i was just like fuck it i'm in the states this is where i want to be you know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't even... I, I don't care. Like, it wasn't about borders or anything. I was like, I can skate here all day, every day. And that's all I ever wanted to do was skate. You know? And then once I got into it, I could be involved with the shoes, the boards, and all this stuff as much as I could be. And that was, like, quite a bit of stuff, you know? But nothing ever turns out the way you want it. And then, like, graphics. Like, mystery sucks so fucking bad it didn't even have color. You know? It never could be... It never could be better than anything. You know? It was like... I was a lie to me from the beginning. And then, like, I always felt like... I can't leave this because my friends are on it. Like, I'm not going to leave Lindsay. And it also felt like you're now looking back. It felt like Jamie never would allow Mystery to do better than Zero, even though it totally could have. It was like he didn't want another baker. And me, like, me and Lindsay were just so fucking fried, stoned out of our mind and shit. We were stupid. You know, we trusted him. We thought, like, you just, you know, you you don't, it's the one you brought, you went to the dance with, you know. We just kick it with this dude. We're going to be on it forever. Cause they'd see you'd see people get played out, and you're like, "This fool's getting played out," and you'd know it. But then when it starts happening to you, you're like, "This is this really going down?" Like you think you're playing, you know what I mean? And then your feelings are hurt, so you just like don't even go around anymore. You're like, "All right, I'm out," you know, and that's just how it's done. So what happened with that? Can you tell us a bit about the inception of mystery and how come you? Basically, it was like I, you know, fucking, I was doing trick tips for DC had a website thing, and it was like people were asking for my shoes, and it was like. You know, kind of like, yeah, Zero Rider, DC Rider. It was like Trainwreck didn't work out. And it was like people wanted that. So it was like people were asking for a shoe. So I'm guessing Black Box got asked for the same fucking, like, the, getting asked for the same thing. So Jamie was like, we're going to give Mumford a company and blah, blah, blah. But when it came out, like, Mumford left because it had nothing to do with, like, what he wanted. You know, it was supposed to be something totally for him. But it was, like, all basically bullshit that I think Jamie was just, you know, pulling the strings like he always did. Like, dude's the dude's gnarly. <laughs> You know, he's a gnarly, gnarly person. Hmm. It was like people were asking for it and black dip zero boards were the best selling boards. So he's like, well, I'll do all white dipped and I can sell a million fucking t-shirts. And that's pretty much what it was. And it was like, you know, I don't know. Like that's kind of seems what it, because it was like, none of us were stoked on it. None of us could choose our board graphics, any of that shit. You know what I mean? And I like look at a board the other day and it's fucking, it's a kid size. They never were my size, ever. My boards were always way bigger, and I never liked any of the boards at zero. My shape was the one I made that everybody fucking skated. 
you know what I mean, was the one that they didn't even sell because it was apparently too big. But I look at the board the other day, and it was a fucking a Gigi Allen board on a kid's size, you know? And I was just like, you know, I didn't ask for Gigi Allen. That dude fucking died from the party. I crashed my bike, and then that shit's being sold to kids. You know, I just look at it like it's just, damn, dude. I, don't, I wouldn't, I look back at that, and I was like, that dude is pretty crazy to even like you know he was old enough to know better than that you know it's like but he's obviously making money off selling directly selling the same shit that killed fucking you know a lot of skaters you know alcoholism and shit like that making money off that stuff you know it's like that's crazy to me and same with like i see the fucking piss drunk hoodie like some kid johnny sent me some footage and he had uh, a piss drunk hoodie on and i was like how the fuck is this shit still being made that kid that fucking shane cross died from that and Ali Bulala can never skate again. And it's like, you're still promoting that? And it's like, I don't know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, the legacy of that is an ad that Jim Greco's off speedballs and fucking Shane Cross dying. Like, the Piss Drunk's legacy is pretty sad. And, you know, and, like, skateboarding certainly doesn't need any role models for alcoholism, you know what I mean? Like, look at Corey, what's his face, you know? And P-Stone, you know? That's like, but that's like, what happens when you drink and party it's like it everybody's been in that situation they just got got you know what i mean but it's like that's the the, the cost that you that, that's the dice that you roll like when you party you know like that shit happens you know if you party hard like that's gonna happen people are gonna die hmm. so just like i don't see how people are still selling that shit you know why there's piss drunk hoodies out there it's like you know being someone who's been in a fucking drunk driving crash i can tell you it's not all fucking it's not it's not the nicest thing to happen mm-hmm. and that's the best case scenario was that i hurt myself and my family like i didn't like injure another human being you know mm-hmm. whatever it is what it is i think skateboarders are so gnarly nowadays they know that being drunk is just stupid because like how are you gonna like do all these crazy tricks right because it's like like you said i skated all that gnarly stuff in toronto and that was the stuff you skated it, there was no parks there was no warm-up it was like can i do this i don't know i'm gonna try it and that was it like you know nowadays kids can go to parks and practice on a perfect handrail all day every day you know what i mean so it's like i could understand the addiction to skateboarding being stronger now because they have all this stuff at their fingertips you know mm-hmm. it's acceptable like you're you're allowed to go to like skip school to go skateboarding if you're sponsored you know mm-hmm. it's probably part of the curriculum you know <laughs> your dc warehouse trick tips that you briefly mentioned pretty sure i learned frontside flips because of that so thank you the power ranger one or whatever it was that was fucking tight like back then dude that was shit was tight like i'm not talking shit on zero like we lived like it was tight because i was living the dream and like back then like dude we go to the sample room at dc and fucking like i would get some new kicks and then we go to the dc we go to hello deli and eat and then we'd be skating i always skate the the flat part of the dc ramp because the skate light was super slick and it was their fucking vert ramp is huge so you could put those like ramp logics and whatever like on the on the vert ramp and you could just wax the shit out of it and you could fucking like that's where i kick foot back nose blinds all that stuff so i would just go there with new sample shoes skate that shit and then like we'd have underneath the ramp there's the mall chamber you know like weed and tobacco and so it's like we just want to kick it and smoke malls all day so we're like well, we gotta work so let's do a trick tip so we just like all right we'll do a trick tip and then we do that so it's like that was just so we'd kick it ninja, like Foot Clan style, like in the Ninja Turtles movie. That's how we kicked it at the DC ramp every day. Just fucking Foot Clan. And it was like, it was dope. It was like, yeah, the hustle was like, okay, let's come up with a trick tip today. 
And there'd be some shit. There'd be like some shit laying around there, like some kids' toys or whatever. Like, yeah, the place is crazy. I rewatched the frontside flip one today, and like I definitely watched that a bunch of times when I was a kid. And um, it, was, it was funny rewatching it today. Like it was such a like sloppy trick tip, and you're like, ah, oh, some people flip them like this. Some people like flip the muska, but it doesn't matter. And then like halfway through, you're like, and you can do them into no slide. And then you just start kick nosing the hubba. Uh, it, it was awesome. But I used to worship those videos and I was so hyped whenever a new one That's would drop. That's so funny you say that because I was talking to a dude the other day and he was talking about how web content and all this stuff is a big thing. And I was like, I, we, DC launched a lot, paid a lot of money for that website back in the day. Like that was in like 2002 or something you know what i mean like there wasn't really much web media online back then you were ahead of the curve yeah yeah so those trick tips may have got me my shoe when people were asking for them and stuff because the shops were asking for it It was like i had all the covers that's like it was crazy i like i moved to san diego and like was in the middle of nowhere as an am and this kid um used to pick me up every day because i had no friends i mean just yeah and we'd be we'd be stranded out there and like yeah, so then, like, it was, like, D.C. was right there, and the offices were there, and then they had the park there, and then we kind of just got, like, a little crew of dudes and had, like, you know, we kick it every day, and it was, like, yeah, every day it was, like, McKay, Ellis, like, all the D.C. dudes would just eat and chill, and then that was the weird thing. I, like, it was like that every day for, like, 10 years, and then, like, once I wasn't on D.C. anymore, like, those dudes, like, would stop talking to me and shit. It was weird. Like, I was, like, okay, I guess it was a, it was a work. It was a work. Well, that's what I was... Uh getting to is like it probably seemed trivial at the time like oh, i'm just gonna make these random trick tips but i feel like if i was watching it in toronto there's probably dude, it wasn't trivial it was so i could sit at and fucking smoke weed with my friend all day <laughs> under the ramp and he was be working because he's supposed he's the team manager and the video guy so it's like well if we make a trick tip you're fucking killing it no yeah. that's what so i mean then we go then we go to the office afterwards and we could sit there and edit and i sit on thing and read all the transcripts and just fuck around in the office and just like go to the art department just like that's how i know all about like it's like hanging out in those art departments and doing all that shit every day is why I know how to do pylon. You know what I mean? Like I was around all that shit. It's not like, you know, and by American standards, I feel the pylon's legit. If we turn a dude pro or whatever, it's going to be like that dude's pro. It's not going to be some bullshit. Not, I'm not talking shit or anything, but it's like, you know, like Alex was on company with skaters of the year. I was on companies with skaters of the year you know what i mean like by the american standards it's legit and that's why it's like i started skating again breaking boards and i was like these boards are like not working for me up here in canada i want to make something a certain way and i had specific and then my friends were like okay let's do this and that's how like you know i'm back in skateboarding right now is because i know so much of it so talking about this stuff is funny because it's like I didn't really realize it. Like, I'm like, yeah, I guess I just hung out in art fucking, you know, you know, those, they had all the state of the art shit, like everything, top notch. You know, people go to university and college just to work at those companies. And I'm sitting there like doing it just so I can smoke weed with my buddy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember I didn't even like my, my apartment. I wipe, we, we had like, I'd vacuum it with new grip tape and I'd wipe my ass with DC socks because like DC socks came in all different sizes on stuff and they send you a billion and when I did laundry I was like I don't want two different size fucking socks but zero socks were always the same height they were Tomietto at the time always the same I didn't care if they didn't match I just wanted the same so the DC socks I just wiped my ass with them and the new shirts and stuff and just vacuumed my grip tape my, my floor with like some grip tape and shit like dude the skate rat house was balling with product like <laughs> <clears throat> yeah my point with the trick tips was that it probably seemed like kind of maybe not insignificant but i feel like it probably had a huge impact on your career whether you realized it at the time or not having kids all over the world watching those trick tips no 100 percent. and i didn't even 
I didn't even think about that's probably why I got a shoe and why people were asking for it. But that was that goes back to me like always wanting to be like going somewhere and being like in skating and skateboarding all the time. Always, always, always like, oh, you got something to do. You got something to do. A project There's always. That's why I think because I never stop. My brain never fucking stops. Like I remember going like on tour with DC and then on tour with Zero and then every all the tours were gone and I'd be at my apartment going like, fuck, I want to be on the road again. And I'd call someone. They were just like, well, we just got off the road with you. We don't want to see you. (laughs) Everyone. Well, because everyone had their own families, they'd get home, and then I'd just be at my in, in my thing. So I go out by myself skating, and I still, and you know, I I'd skated. I mean, I, my DC checks, I didn't cash them. They all the accountants would call me like all the time, a couple times a year, and they'd be like, "You need to cash your checks. You're fucking accounting up." Like, and I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, sorry." You know, because like I didn't, I had everything that I wanted. You know, I had new skateboards and all the spots to go skating. I never took a vacation. I was like, I was living it. But when I moved down there, I was this kid from Canada that was supposed to be cool. And everyone's like, oh, you're on D.C. and stuff. And I, like, hid behind alcohol a lot because of that. Because I was like, Brian Wenning's from New Jersey. And he's, like, you know, he's all, like, skating, taking buses to New York City forever and shit. And it's like, I'm from Winfield, British Columbia. You know, like, Anthony Van Allen rolls up with his fucking crazy surfer hair from Huntington Beach, you know. Lived down the street from Elvira. You know, I'm just like, I don't know any of this shit. Like, I'm just like, I didn't know how to fit in. So it was like, once I reached to the top and got a shoe and stuff, I, you know, and alcoholism took over. Like, that was it. And it was like, okay, where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. You know, you crashed my bike, got back. And then it was like, for what? Like, after after you wreck your bike, after that, like, I really didn't care. So you talked about him a little bit before. You and Lindsey Robertson, a.k.a. Baby Juice, were good homies. He's a guest skater in your D.C. part. Tell us a story about Lindsey that most people don't know. I don't know, man. He's one of those people that is like, um, you know how like in skateboarding there was like the Muska and chat, like he could hype people up and talk about himself in third person and it wasn't weird, <laughs> you know? But if anybody else does it, it's kind of weird. But like there's certain people, like Lindsey will be like, ah, the juice. <laughs> and uh, like he's like he's all can't, like he's like he's hard but like I we were in um, I've said the story a few times to other people but no anyway uh, we were in New Orleans and it was like in 2006 or ever and like Hurricane Katrina like they, people were living in little like things and had like the murder um, capital of uh, of uh, America and we were staying in a hotel and there's an atrium in the middle of a hotel so it was like you know kind of like the Cardiff, Cardiff in New Jack City where there's like you know a little city inside this building mm-hmm. But when you get out, you had to take a cab to the to the you know French Quarter, like to a block away, because it was like you'll get killed. But the whole hotel was full of like fucking gangsters, man. And I'm like in my room, I'm like, dude, it was scary. Like I was like, these guys are crazy. Everyone's like, and everyone's like robbing, and the tensions are high there. So I'm like, where the fuck is Lindsay? And I go out, and I'm just like, I go out on the hall, and people are like, what are you looking at? Kind of, just, it was pretty intimidating. And I hear people laughing. I go to the door, and it's just like crazy ass gangster dudes, like all laughing their ass off. And Lindsay looks like Harry Potter with this big ass blunt that they're smoking with him in his mouth. And I walk in, they're like, what do you want? And he's like, nah, they're cool. He's with me. And then like I walk in, and they're just like, all these dudes like, okay, like and Lindsay's like the boss out of all of them, like this little tiny Harry Potter dude in the murder cat. Like, it was fucking crazy. And yeah, and he's just kicking it with him because he's this guy. He actually is pretty hood, you know? Like, he's from Dade County. Trick Daddy's own. So it was just funny, though, because he actually does, like, you know, he's like, he is gangster. Like, and he, I've seen him, like, straight up, like, go and kick it with the gnarliest dudes. And he, yeah, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I never could do that. And, you know, most people that talk hard and shit like that, 
they're fronting, but like that dude will roll up into some shit and straight up kick it with dudes, and they'll be smoking their blunts with them. You know, like that's it's a real man. That's a real dude. You know, like so it's like whenever people bring up race or looks or all that stuff and ghetto stuff, it's like I've been in the ghetto and I've seen Harry Potter kick it with the gnarliest dudes and all stereotypes out the window. You know what I mean? And that's always been my my interpretation of the world is through skateboarding where it's like skaters never see that shit you know because you always have your eyes open for like what really is going on so it's like yeah all that people can fake all they want but Lindsay's definitely not a fake dude that's dope you don't have to hook us up with his contact we got to get him on the show one of these days mm-hmm. i'm talking with him right now we're yeah nice we're, can you tell us about his purple esco he was his first car so he was pretty stoked man and he i used to yeah he was like He's like, he'd, at the stop sign, he'd turn up the radio. A stock system. And he's like, did, I based you. He's like, did you hear it? No, seriously, did you hear it? And I was like, hear what? He's like, no, I cranked the bass. And like, you guys are at the stop sign. And we're in the other car. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I based you. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, damn, you based me. Legend. Can you tell us about getting kicked off analog and then realizing Burton forgot to stop paying you? It wasn't, it wasn't realizing. It was like, I think that... <laughs> <laughs> I was just like Lopez was like fucking Hurley kept paying me he's just fucking cash it and so I was just like whatever and then I just blew dude it was a lot of money and I was just blew the fucking shit out of it I didn't care really and then yeah and then I had to pay it back and I was like fuck oh it was fine though I mean they kept paying me and I knew like I mean you know when someone like you know you know I knew and I was like if they don't recognize it but it's like me spent yeah I was like fuck whatever dude you give me that shit, I'm going to spend it. You And you know, I'll pay it back. If I had it, I had it. If I don't, I don't. Whatever. I don't save anything. I don't, whatever. <laughs> That's part of the <clears throat> maybe the curse. Damn, you didn't save any money? But it was like, dude, analog. Dude, getting on analog. <laughs> dude, it was so ridiculous. Oh, my God. The guy was like, the guy was like, dude, we're sitting in the Burton lobby of Lake Forest. And like... And Van England was like, dude, ride for Queez, the team manager, ride for Analog. And we're in there and then fucking we're sitting in the like the lounge area of like the Burton building in Lake Forest. And like the guy is like the surf team manager or he's like whatever Patterson, whatever Joel, whatever the photographer's brother or I don't even know. He was super cool, but he was super pilled out of it this time. And so he was like, I don't know, man, like if you were going to think about doing a video part, but like. So I heard that you have friends and do have clips in your video. Like, you could just get your friends to film your whole part, like, if you want. We're super chill over here. And I looked over at uh, Ave, and he just, he's like, he had his sunglasses on, long blonde hair, and he's like, and he's like, dude, I told you, it's a fucking free-for-all over here. And he lights his, <laughs> and he li- and he lights his cigarette. He's got his, hand, his feet on the table, and he lights a cigarette. Like, no smoking, Orange County. Just lights a cigarette, and the thing just, eh, you know, just like, yeah. And then Joel's like, cool, man, you're on. And I was like, cool. Like, <laughs> Yeah, the guy just basically told me, here's how much money you're getting paid. You don't have to do anything. And not only that, I don't even know how it works. Because <laughs> he had a drug problem and everyone there did. It was funny. You got Analog's number? I'm trying to get on the team. Damn. Dude, it was, and their shit was dope. I remember going in there. Yeah, again, they like, I'm in there in their design office and they're like, here, we're, some, we're throwing this away. Nobody wants it. And it was like someone had went to Florida and bought like a NASA flight suit. And it was had the tags on it and shit. And I was like, dude, nobody in this building wants a fucking NASA flight suit from the NASA center. Are you kidding me? (laughs) That just tells you, like, out of the whole office, that thing didn't get taken. I was like, I wore that every Halloween for, like, a lot of years. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I, we, when I started trimming weed, I was wearing it as my trim suit because it had hella pockets. It was super good for trimming. Really good. Like, you know, I mean, scissors here and like all your pockets and stuff, your gloves, your rub gloves. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a dope, dope setup, and I couldn't believe that analog. They, oh, what a legend! Yeah, it was like they were copying the clothing, and nobody there at the fucking place wanted to even take that thing. So it was like that tells you something's wrong with your design department. <laughs> if if nobody's trying to jack the shit they're making, then it's like there's probably like no wonder Burton was losing money and paying me five grand a month to not do anything. That's epic, man. Yeah, um, dude, dude, it was a skateboarding and that was back before the internet so it's like you had like three years to film a part and you could get a bail photo every couple days you know? <laughs> that ave that ave quote might be like an all-time quote on the pod man <laughs> yeah dude yeah but it was pretty funny, told you man. dog it's a free-for-all over here no i didn't say dog he was like dude i told you it's free-for-all over here just he was because he was disgusted but like yeah he just had he was there for business and which was like here pay my friend he wants to get on and then i called dc and then i got off and then they got me i quit analog to get back on dc and they matched what they did and dc couldn't even get me fucking t-shirts so all i wore was white t-shirts and dickies because they because like because dc couldn't get product because it all came out of promo and everyone wanted the blackboard shorts and the white basic shit all the ones wanted but all the promo came out of the same account and if if a shop ordered it which obviously they're going to want the basic dope shit it would get bumped so it was almost impossible for an actual team rider to get actual dc stuff because there was like every surf moto all those teams all those guys would obviously want the basic DC stuff, but all the team did, and then all the shops wanted that stuff too. So we couldn't even get <laughs> the stuff they were paying me to wear. And then my shoes came to me in boxes, sample boxes, so they never even had, you know, because they couldn't get me the actual shoes out of the promo budget. So they actually had to send me boxes and boxes of samples because, again, no one sold fucking DCs anywhere. So my shoe was the only one that actually sold, sold the skate shops, really. Because, like, if you went to... It was mo pretty much a mall store shoe company, you know, which it still is, right? Like, so, fucking... Like, you go to, like... A, if you blew your shoe out and you're in, like, whatever Lafayette, you're not going to go into the shop and find a pair of skatable DCs. Like, there's no fucking chance in hell, right? Like, you know? Like, go somewhere to this day and try and find a pair of DCs that you can skate in. It's not going to happen, right? Like, that's just what tells you, you know... The DC resurgence is real, man. Yeah, I could fucking help him out. I mean, I'd just be like, dude, Tiago, are you kidding me? Why is that guy not the mainest thing on the... He's wearing track pants he's and gone, looks like he... Yo. And I know, he's, but why isn't he... Like, that should have been their mainest focus on... He's Kane Gale, Carl Shipman. They, I, they tried, obviously, though. They failed. They probably didn't treat him right. They probably didn't treat him right, you know? They should have given him everything and said, you are the entire embodiment of DC's 1995, you know? 100%. New Balance he's, might just have deeper pockets, man. Who knows? But um, can you tell us about Pylon Skateboards, a new brand that you started with some homies? Uh, yeah, I can actually. No, uh, yeah, I know. It was just uh, skateboards. I didn't have any, and I was trimming weed, and I went to the store and bought a board for hundred bucks, and it started breaking. Like it break, it last like a day, and I was like, dude, I need a board to skate the stuff I want to skate. So I tried to get bulk, and I made some phone calls, and my friends that have been fucking in the industry. Just that's how it happened. Yeah, I just called like three people, and then that they're like, "We'll invest in this." I guess. Sick, dude. So, who are you doing it with? Uh, uh, Ben Coops, uh, Paul Higgins, uh, Alex Chalmers. Oh, Chalmers. Morgan Heisted. Yeah, Chalmers. Um, Chalmers, the god. That's sick. Fucking, you know, there's a whole. I mean, there, there's a. 
it's all coming it's all getting out right now or like launching it like the website and all that stuff right now i don't really know i'm like this i'm just trying to focus on going skateboarding right now you need two team riders are you doing it out of <laughs> um, we're doing it out of like a massive warehouse uh, actually out east too oh really i was gonna say are you doing it out of calgary or bc but uh no it's out of uh, ontario Huge Damn. warehouse, yeah. It's we're balling, dude. It's fucking oh. pretty big. So you got well, the of course, promo all the budget. money's from the East Coast. You know that, right? It's like money's in the East Coast. That's where we got distribution out there. Huge uh-huh. shit going on, player. Global. <laughs> oh, let's go. Yeah. Well, all the money's out there. You know that. You know, people think yeah. it's in Alberta. It's not. It's out east. Ryan Smith's back, baby. Fuck yeah, EPMD back in business. All the money's in this living room, dog. You still got those big kick nose slides, like high speed flick. Uh, yeah. Fuck, dude. Check my Instagram, player. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 that's like one of the ones that actually came up. Manuals did not come back <laughs> Ma- at all. Manuals, like at all. You guys do manual tricks? I'm, I would, I would imagine you appreciate. I feel like it. it's better in your old age to do manies. Everybody says that, but you got to have the manny like balance. It's like my manny balance like is gone. Like it's like a nose manual and like, yeah, I could <clears throat> I could easily eat shit. Like you know Chris Roberts, I've like watched the him talk about like the manny, and I totally get it. Like how I can just tinker around on it and try it forever. Day one, same thing. But no, not me. I just get frustrated and be like, I'm over this. And before that wasn't the case when I was a kid. Yeah. So when we were texting earlier today, you said that you wanted to interview us. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, how did you guys start? How did you guys start like this whole thing? Like, how did when did this start? Do you make any money off it? We, uh, how are your how's your enterprise skills? We make hella bread, dude. Dog. Like you said, all the money's on the East Coast, man. So, <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to get kidding. out there, player. So, it's like, <laughs> you know, we're trying to front because I looked at your logo and I was like, how are you guys selling this shit? You need to really be uh, franchise players and you can't steal franchises. He saw the the Pacers logo. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah, got yeah, plenty yeah. of logos, so that's just our that's just a little sum. Brand imprinting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, are you guys focusing on all, like? Do you got? Is it when you get an American skater? Like, are you like, damn, we got an American guy? Like, we're more legit. Fuck these Canadian guys. Or are you trying to be all about Canadian? No, anyone, man. Anyone's welcome that we fuck with. That yeah. we're fans of their skating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I just because it's always been kind of a thing. Like in Canada, it's always taken second fiddle, or it's been a stepping stone. Which mm-hmm. nowadays, like you're saying, it's not like that anymore. You don't have to be a stepping stone. But there's also pioneers here, which you guys are obviously, you know, your skateboarding personalities doing it from Canada, not having to go. Oh, I want to work at Thrasher, Transworld, or you know, whatever it is in the states. You know, like you can just do it from where you're at. Yeah, we definitely try to have some Canadians on every season for sure. So. We ain't getting lost. We always stick to our roots and do our homies and our friends and Canadians. So what you're saying is you're not real broadcasting where you have the stipulations of having to play a certain amount of rush. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in charge of the content. So it's whoever we want to have on the show is, is who we want to have on the show, man. Have you, said, have you had people turn you down? Yeah, all the time. But not really? for reasons like they don't fuck with us. Just because like it's not the easiest thing to come and do an interview for two hours and and talk about themselves. Some people just aren't comfortable with oh, it. Are you, you know? kidding me? I'm fucking so self-centered. I can talk about myself all day. <laughs> I never shut up. You want opinions? I got them. 
But so have you guys, you make t-shirts, do they sell out? What do you do? Do you have like a PayPal account? How does that work for the skaters out there trying to get their hustle on? Yeah, we got our website. We do our own e-commerce. Sometimes we put some product in some shops, but mostly it's straight from our website, thebuntlive.com. And you're making hella loot. Do you got, what's up with your sticker game? Do you got stickers? We made stickers once. We weren't too into it. We kept it moving. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds like you guys are getting a little lazy. <laughs> oh wait! <laughs> okay, Mister Massive Warehouse. Yeah, that Massive Warehouse sounds like it comes with a lot of overhead. Dude, that warehouse might have a broom closet. That warehouse may have a broom closet for the Blunt Live sticker packs and shit like that. You know? <laughs> There's hella money in stickers, guys. You know that. So, what's next for Ryan Smith? Film. We're gonna do Hollywood. Are you gonna make a movie? No, just I would like to write and direct and like, dude, I got so many, I mean, I didn't go to film school or any of that shit, but, and I don't know how to use a camera, but I got a lot of funny ass stories and I got like, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of film. So it's like, why not? Like, you know, I want to do like how girl has skits and stuff like that in their videos. Like, I love all that shit. It's like skateboarding is a gateway to anything. And it's like with all eyes on that, if I bust my ass on my skateboard, people are going to see like what we put out. So it's like. That's a real resume for something. It's like, you know, I got a lot of funny stories firsthand and secondhand. And it's like, you just, you know, I, you know, writing and stuff like that and like working with other people on making a project. Well, I like working with people, you know, and being creative and laughing at things. So it's like it making other people laugh and, and always staying busy, you know? That's so, yeah, I'd like to get into film for sure. Yo, 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 it's Rapid Fire with the Ghost. And this week, you know what time it is. Brought to you by Dickies. We talk in the relaxed fit, carpenter denim jeans. It's no secret they're Dickies best-selling jeans, ready to work in any situation. They got the deep front pockets. And if you're like me, you got 30 things in each pocket. You don't want to worry about them when you're skating, flying all over the place. They got the fail-proof heavy-duty brass zipper, triple stitch seams, for added durability and to top it all off you already know they're your favorite skater's favorite pant dickies man get yourself a pair what you waiting for all right ryan you've been spitting hot fire all interview <laughs> Not let's, really. let's go out with a bang yo favorite skater mike carroll favorite video tim and henry's pack of lies favorite video part Henry Sanchez, Tim and Henry's Pack of Lies. Favorite style? Heath Kirchart. Which skater had the biggest influence on the way you skate? Mike Harrell. Most talented skateboarder on planet Earth? The most talented? Danny Way. I mean, I would, yeah, for sure, Danny Way. Favorite trick? An ollie or a tail slide or something? <laughs> I mean, an ollie probably. Ollie or nollie, like a flip trick, nollie flip maybe. Because you're going forward and you can kind of feel cool. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hardest trick for you? Hardest trick? Pivot fakie. That's like the Ooh. long one. Yeah, like a pivot fakie. I'm so terrible at him. Like, I have to really try. It's like, and then I, yeah. Most illegal trick? A dark slide. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm not fucking my grip tape up. You're not about that forbidden 14 life, eh? Yeah, I mean, I it, it's not forbidden 14 because obviously, like, I, I, you know, it's stupid. I like front boards <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I like, yeah, I like, I like, I like, you know what I mean? Like switch back lip. Yeah, no, you got to skate the middle of your board. But if it's brand new, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Weird. Favorite clip you've ever gotten? I think like, I remember being stoked. I was trying in the mystery video, I do a front side and 80 fakie crooked grind over this planner. 
Oh, that was sick. Yeah. And I remember, can I remember? I went back there a bunch of times. I was trying to do it whole three, all 360, and I came so close. Oh. Front Figgy Crook, and then the 180 out. But I never got it. Yeah. But I remember because remember Dill did it on those like uh, the LA Water or whatever like things. Yeah, yeah, he did yeah. the back. Yeah, I did the. I think he did backside whatever. And I was trying in a 360. I was trying to do it frontside because I remember being stoked on that, but I never got it. Gnarliest trick you've ever witnessed. Last year at the compound, there that this dude Dylan was doing air out of the quarter pipe to the big flat bank back nose button popping in like every try and i remember going like holy shit it was crazy he would just air up out of the quarter pipe to the big ass flat bank wall back nose button pop in it was pretty rick mccrankish that was i thought that was pretty <laughs> i was in, i was impressed i was like holy fuck that was crazy man last new trick you learned so close yesterday i was doing uh switch crook front like fakie front shove it out you know i was watching john drake you guys know that dude uh, in yeah. the fucking uh, or no john drake in the in the 4 and 127 industry section i watched and he does the switch crook and he does the big fakie half cab shove it out back way and yesterday at the spot i was trying to do that crook in the middle of the ledge and do it so i don't, it came close but anyway it was close and switch back yeah anyway what's the last new trick you did learn though what did I do the other day? I don't fucking know, man. There's a lot. It's all coming. I mean, I did three flip nose slide the other day. I mean, that was like I haven't done that since the DC video in 2003. Hell yeah. We'll take that. Dream job after skating. Film. And and in skating. I want to be like in skating around skaters and like help them out and like let them like, you know, like I think like skaters need to realize that this is a fucking tool. Skateboarding is a tool. To, and a gateway to be anything you want you know what I mean it's like and for a good life so it's like that's like to be around skateboarding and be around that would be the ideal thing hell yeah favorite local brand topless pizza no I'm just kidding uh, pylon obviously favorite local skater the ninja cause his name's ninja and he named himself ninja like which is pretty sweet we got a ninja in Toronto he's a legend Oh, you guys! I saw. Are we stepping on your toes? It was his Instagram handle. It's not. I didn't name him. <laughs> you can see. You can give him the beef. What's the one sponsor you regret riding for? I don't have any regrets. I mean, I don't. I mean, I regret spending the analog money, which I think is funny now. I don't give a fuck. It's not like I can have it. But no, I don't have any regrets. I mean, it's like I think what I learned and what I went through prepared me for what I have to do. You know, it's like I didn't have a value in skateboarding when I was just some nerd from Kelowna who got a shoe. You know, now I feel like I, it's because I've been both sides of the border and every side of the spectrum of like skateboarding. I have like I can relate to people and like go, OK, here's, you know, something that I think I can contribute to skateboarding that people can appreciate. You know, it's not what I can get from skateboarding. It's what I can give to skateboarding, you know, and help the culture, you know, and help maybe skateboarders like avoid some of the shit that I went through, you know. Favorite teammate ever? Lindsey Robertson. Worst teammate ever? Jamie Thomas. Worst company? The worst company is a company that nobody learns from. That nobody, it's like if they if they do a company and they, you know, they don't learn anything from it, you know, that's the worst company. It's a waste of money and resources and everything, you know? It's like if someone can learn something and like, great, you know? Worst trend? Worst trend is fucking drinking. Worst style? The guy that doesn't fucking show up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't care what you're not, what you're wearing or what you're not. The person who doesn't show up has the worst style because they're not there. You're, you know, it's like I'll take a guy in person dressed in anything or nothing over somebody who's trying to think they're cool and not doing it at all, right? Mm -hmm. 
Last person you want on the sesh? The guy who throws their board around. Ooh, that's <laughs> a good one. Yeah. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up our interview with Ryan Smith, the legend. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Sweet. Yeah, no, thanks, guys. Am I, are we hanging out for real now? <laughs> Welcome back to the post office, brought to you by none other than Dickies, quality workwear since 1922, the toughest gear from the worksite to the streets. Ghost, who we got up first? You've got mail. First up, we got an email from Merle's SNT. Hey, what up, Bunt? After thinking about it the other day, I realized that the man Gino and the man Nick Stain share some similarities. Both are Steve's masters and good examples of quality over quantity type of skaters. Also, both of them have similar sponsors, Nike, FA Hockey. Now imagine that for some reason you guys run FA and Hockey and due to the budget reasons, you guys need to kick one of them <laughs> You guys need to kick one of them off the team. The other members of the team are untouchable. It gotta be Gino or Nikki. Would you keep the young blood or throw the legend? Thanks for doing the show. It's all I can listen to every time I jump on a plane. Big up from Barcelona. SNT forever. So we got a tough one on our hands, man. Nick Stain or Gino. I know you always like to work your way around these questions like you're gonna split their pay in half or what? something, eh? Bro, this is an easy one for me. Easy. We're into sports, and uh, in sports, we just got to approach this like a GM, man, and it sucks, but sometimes you got to let the old head go, and Gino's a fucking legend, and I'm sure he's been collecting that Nike check for quite some time. Hopefully, he's uh, good to go, can retire peacefully, and uh, let the young blood, the next generation, keep stacking that paper and get more years out of him, man. Just looking at it like a GM, it's simple. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Nick Stain's out there in the streets working right now. Put some respect on his name. Yeah, and that's not taking anything away from Gino, but yo, I'm a huge Nick Stain fan these days, man. Ooh, jeez. I've been loving his backsmiths for years. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, we've got an email from Shane Wilkie. What up, Bunk Gang? Greetings from Sydney, Nova Scotia. I love the illegal tricks call out, but there's one that holds a special, maybe not so special place in my heart, and that's none other than the pop shove it tail grab. You may, you, you may have come to the wrong place with that one. This trick invaded Cape Breton in the early 2000s only to become a little more elusive in recent times, often being referred to as the screaming eagle. This leads to my question. Growing up, was there any tricks that became popular in your local skate scene for a period of time that are thankfully gone now? P.S. When can we get a Cardiel episode? And more, and most importantly, when can Buddy get a fat box, you dig? Thanks for the great content, guys. Bro, he's coming out of one of your tricks. He's coming out of your bag, dog. <laughs> yeah, I definitely used to love doing pop shove tail grabs back in the day. But in my defense, even back then, I knew they were stupid. Like, I just did. They're just fun to do off ramps. Oh, yeah. I did the, the nose Manny, nollie front shove to Manny. Once or twice. And I did it nollie shove, remember? <laughs> so we I guess. did it on the U of T Manny across the street from the current one. I guess that's the one right there. Illegal manuals, man. Shit. All right, next up, we got an email from Mike T. 
Hi guys, recently started listening to the podcast and I can't believe it took me this long. I've had a lot of fun checking out older episodes this week and hearing your old wild sports takes, knowing the outcomes in present time. You sounded like huge Wentz guys, which took me by surprise. I especially like Grant Patterson episode because he snapped for 20 minutes straight. Question, in an alternate universe where NBA players current and past could skate, who do you pick to be the best skater and why? I'd pick D-Wade to have the best style because he looks to have an unbelievable balance and can spin off a defender easily. I have a feeling that it would translate nicely on the board, but interested to hear what you guys think. Keep up the great work, fellas. Loving listening to you guys during these crazy times. Yo, hell yeah. We love our new listeners. Welcome to the Bunt family, man. Bunt gang. Um, I think we had a similar question. Yeah, we did a, a while long time back. ago. I think I picked Russell Westbrook back then. Yeah, yeah, because he swagged out. And then. And the power. Lots of power. And then Dennis Schroeder's kind of cheating because he actually did skate. You can YouTube that. He, like, frontside flipped like a f- and backside flipped, like, five stairs back in the day and shit. And he still skates in the offseason a little bit. Mm hmm. Um, I'll go with I just love this kid swag Shea Gilgis Alexander mm. I could see him having a nice Nolly flip or something you know what I'm saying and, a, and an added Question to this email whose style would you Relate Shea's to like if you Thought he would skate like a certain skater Who would it be um, Darrell Stanton Woohoo Nice choice man I'd have to go With the spider, D. Mitchell, man. I would love to see him on a board. And for some reason, I just feel like he would skate like Nikel Smith. I don't know why. Just popped into my head. True, true, true. Oh, um, also Tyler Hero. He's just too swagged out these days. And I could see him skating oh. like... Fuck. Who do he skate like? Just someone fucking pierced... Sasha Daly, maybe? Nah. <laughs> I wouldn't think he would be that gnarly. Yeah, yeah, never mind. <laughs> um, who would Tyler Harrow skate like? Bobby DeKaiser, man. <laughs> nah, I'm playing. He's a little no. too gangster. Maybe like Shane Eldridge. Oh! <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got a voice note from Tom Gerard. Let's take a listen. Hey, D. Jones and the Ghosts. I uh, just want to say, great podcast. Love it. Uh, just got a question for you, though. Um, I was watching the Skate Mafia promo, and when Brandon Turner's section came on and he did uh, the street grabs and all that sort of stuff, the switch Benny Harner and all that, I thought of you guys straight away. I thought you'd just be like going, oh, man, what's going on? But... Uh, you know, the podcast comes back and I don't hear a peep of this. You know, he, he gave him the shout out of the week, which is well deserved and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, you guys seem to be the, uh, you know, the aficionados on what the, the uh, illegal tricks and that. And what's your real view on there? Give us a, uh, give us a review. Well, certain people are just so legendary that there's just no way around giving them a pass. Now, me and Donald, you won't catch us doing any of those tricks. But do we turn a blind eye to certain, to certain people worship since we stepped on a board? Yes. <laughs> Very easily put, Brandon Turner can do no wrong in our eyes. Guy's been dropping parts since Fulfill the Goddamn Dream. How many tricks do you expect one person to have? <laughs> That's where I'm going with this. Hey, man. Yeah. He could... 
but he could fucking do the ugliest trick of all time and i'll just be like oh i didn't see that but i definitely saw that switch hard flip <laughs> yeah so i hope that answers your question man Lil b switch trade general absolute legend in our eyes Unfortunately, we got no hate for him, man. Even if he does street grabs and switch Benihana's. Sorry, bro. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got an email from John Metz. Great new season, fellas. Wish I could send you a million dollars. Well, we would love that, too. What's your favorite epically later if you could only pick one? Respect as always, John in Idaho. You know, John Metz been sliding through the post office for years now, man. Shouts to you. And always being around. My favorite epically, epically later was that little quick one with Brian Herman when he was living in the country with Antoine. That shit was G'd out. Oh, the ranch house. That was crazy. Um, fuck, man. It's hard to pick one. And now that uh, we just talked about Gino and Nick Stanen a couple emails ago. I might have to go with Gino just because that's probably the one I've watched most recently. Oh, I watched the Ali Bulala one recently too because we interviewed him. But yeah, Gino, man. Hell yeah. I guess that's my answer. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up the post office for this week. Make sure to get your emails and voice notes into the buntlive at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to The Rundown, the skateboard world source for sports, brought to you by none other than Steam Whistle, Canada's premium pilsner, the only buzz. Some huge news in the NFL this week had Clyde Edward Hilaire's owners absolutely shook. Lev Bell has chosen his new destination after being released from the New York Jets, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs, man. What do you think? I think, I don't know, man. It was a tough game. There was snow everywhere. Clyde finally got a touchdown. Uh, but I, I, I think I read that <laughs> Clyde only out-touched him 9-6 to six or something. Like, it's going to be interesting. And I, today was just a really bad game to, to judge because I think they got two special teams touchdowns. Like, Mahomes didn't have to do much. It was a weird, slow-moving game in the snow. A lot of three and outs both ways. Um, yeah, we'll have we'll have to wait till next week to to get a better idea of of that backfield going forward. Two things come to mind for me when seeing that he chose Kansas City. Obviously, he's tired of losing. He's been doing a lot of losing, which he was not used to with the Steelers. So he wanted to go to a winning team to potentially win a championship. Second, maybe he doesn't have as much trust in himself to be the bell cow he could have been down there in Miami, which is why he went to Kansas City. So two big factors there. Maybe he's losing a little bit of confidence in himself and he wants to join a big team. I heard today that he immediately hit up Clyde before he joined the team to ask him if he had his blessing to join, which is uh, something I didn't expect to hear. That's a big move, man. I like that. And um, I think, man, he's 28. He's a running back, so he probably... He gets to play on a bigger stage this way, even though it might be less touches, and hopefully get that ring. You know, he he got the money from the Jets, so at this point, I wouldn't want to just go. I mean, Miami's trending up, but like you go there, sure you'll get more work, but you know you're not a contender. That's not the move. Buffalo would have yeah. been the move. 
Miami, you're going to lose for a little bit longer. Like Miami's not going to be good for a couple more years. Buffalo, they could have used him in a more... He still wouldn't have been the bell cow because they got Singletary. They got Zach Moss. They It would have been guys moving in and out, but he would have had the majority of the carries. I think it's going to be a 50-50 split in Kansas City. I could see them alternating drives, to be honest with you. The combination of Lev Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire might be the second best backfield in the NFL behind Hunt and Chubb when healthy. Yeah, man. It's it's just so weird because we haven't seen Bell be good in so long that like it's it's hard to even... Yeah, I never even thought about that. I thought you were going to say Aaron Jones and my man Jamal Williams. Hey. <laughs> That's mostly Aaron Jones back. Yeah, huh? but uh, Jamal Williams can hold his own when called upon. Yeah, had a hell of a game this week. Yeah, you feel that, Robbie? <laughs> I just want to talk about the disappointment for fantasy fans and New Orleans Saints fans that has been Michael Thomas this year, man. Drafted as the number one wide receiver, usually at the back end of the first round. Michael Thomas, it's week seven, had the high ankle sprain. Then he has a team suspension for fighting. Then the week he's supposed to come back, he hurts his hamstring now. Soft tissue injuries is just terrible for a wide receiver who's supposed to be running as fast as he can every down. At what point are we going to see Michael Thomas take the field? And what type of Michael Thomas are we even going to see, man? Yo, I have no idea. And as someone who drafted Drew Brees in a 2QB league, He's been letting me down, not quite as much as you, who you kept him as your keeper in round two. But this is getting frustrating. And uh, weirdly enough, the two guys that have Michael Thomas in our other two leagues, other than the one you have him in, obviously, are like five, six and one and five and six. And no, they're both six and one. Like, that's insane. So. No, one of them is six and one. The other's five and two. The team I have him on is on on its way to being six and one so that's how, crazy like imagine we had michael that's thomas. crazy but i'm sure that's like it's weird that it's like that in our three leagues but i'm sure there's a lot of michael thomas managers out there who are bummed 100%. so uh keep your heads on uh straight and hopefully he comes back don't give up or maybe trade him for a fucking haul or something i don't know what can you get for him if you had Michael Thomas and you needed a running back badly, what running back do you think you could get for Michael Thomas? I don't know, but if you're doing all right in the standings, just go fucking bug the people who are struggling at the bottom and desperate. Actually, <laughs> so they're going to take a risk on this fucking guy? Actually, yeah, never mind. Go to the guys, go to the guys who are 5 and 1, 6 and 0, oh, you know, 4 and 3 whatever and see if they're down if if they're feeling comfortable up there, they might be down to wait on Michael Thomas. And then, uh, but make sure you get, you know, two good players or one great player if you can. All right. I just got one more quick subject for you. And then we're going to get out of here for this week. Last week, I threw a comparison at you. It was Josh Allen or Ryan Tannehill, correct? Yeah. I'm going to throw one more name in the hat. Someone that we talk about. Well, mostly I talk about all the time in the Bunt Listener League chat. A man that goes by the name of Carson Wentz <laughs> does everything by himself. Team and city of Philadelphia on his shoulders. Out of the three, who are you taking? Damn, that's tough. Carson Wentz is so polarizing, man. Like You watch him. This year, it's been like you watch him in the first half and you want to puke. And then they're down two or three scores and you watch him in the second half and he figures out a way to like at least make the game close, if not win it. It's like his game is bipolar or something, man. 
He'll make like that. That throw to Boston Scott was unreal to win the game. That was that insane. was fun. Like, like I mean, props to Boston Scott too for making the play on the ball. But yeah, 100%. Um, but then it's like, how do you get down so big to the New York fucking Giants? You know, and I get it. <laughs> Should have been down more if Daniel Jones didn't. Yeah, over. the Carson Wentz truthers, you know, will always tell you that he's got no weapons, but they're right. But then on the flip side, he just makes plays, weapons or not, that are so head scratching and so bad. Uh, he's a hard one, man. I have a theory to that. When you go out there and you know that you don't have an O line, your weapons are second class. You know that you have to do more than the average quarterback. So you're trying so hard to do more. And me and you have played sports our whole lives. You know that feeling when you're on a team that isn't the greatest. And rather than play your team game, you try to just take more upon yourself and go that extra step. And that's when mistakes are made. So that's the mentality I think that Carson Wentz has. And then when it comes time in the second half and he realizes like, hey, I can work with these weapons then it starts to pan yeah, out yeah no i feel you that's a lot of talking about carson wentz man i talk about carson wentz way too much i feel like dan <laughs> man i wish does carson wentz change your opinion on your choice of josh allen over <sighs> ryan Tannehill? fuck man i like when josh allen Tannehill, and wentz are all firing on all cylinders i like wentz the best Woo! let's go so it's wentz yeah, because I don't know, but Josh Allen, it's like I still can't. Josh take it. Allen like, barely beat the New York Jets today, man. Yeah. Um. Yo, let's get the fuck out of here, man. All right, y'all. That's gonna wrap up episode five of the Bunt. Catch y'all next week, man. Peace, y'all. Yeah, smoke.